Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. I'll pre-record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. We're glad that you are. It's a Wednesday Eagle Hour as we get closer and closer to kickoff of football season 2023. I'm Kelly Sander along with producer engineer Michael Mergens. We're in the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson, our colleague, is at the Southern Bancorp Studios in Laurel. On the program today, we're going to be talking with Noah Frary, who is co-host of the Frary and Smith podcast. We think our job is hard just keeping up with Southern Miss and the goings-on with the football Golden Eagles. Well, the guys at Frary and Smith keep track of the entire Sunbelt Conference. Noah will be joining us momentarily. We'll be talking about uh, teams making their final decisions on quarterbacks. That, among other things, on the program today. Plus, we'll go down to New Orleans. Patrick McGee will be joining us about the latest breaking from the Saints camp as 53-man rosters are now final and all teams are looking to the starting gate for the NFL football season. This first segment brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. It's not too late to get in your tailgate orders, whether it's small, whether it's large, that part that is your party, and whatever budget you've got to work with, they'll be able to tell you exactly what's available at Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Enjoy the fellowship of tailgating and leave the cooking to them. Dickie's Barbecue Pit, a big supporter of Southern Miss Athletics. As we mentioned, Noah Frary joins us now. He's the co-host of the Frary and Smith podcast. They talk about all things that are Sun Belt Conference related. So a big job. Noah, as we welcome you, one of the things that struck me about Media Day in New Orleans was the number of teams that had not decided as to who exactly their starting quarterbacks were going to be. Southern Miss fans were chomping at the bit for Will Hall to name a starter. He did on August 22nd, announcing that uh, his quarterback would be Billy Wiles, the transfer from Clemson. But there are some schools that still have not named the starter. As we welcome you, man, let's talk about these quarterback situations. Yeah, Kelly, first and foremost, thanks for uh, having me on the Eagle Hour again. I always love talking uh, Sunbelt football and, and Southern Miss football. But, yeah, I think uh, that struck a lot of us in the room. Um, when you look at Sunbelt football media days, there was five, six, seven teams that I think had not necessarily – uh, sorted out who their quarterback was going to be. And, you know, coaches can say that uh, it doesn't matter who starts game one, but to fans it does. And I think for continuity's sake it does. So to hear that from a number of teams, I mean, I, I still remember probably my favorite moment of media day was Tim Beck standing up, the head coach of Coastal Carolina, and announcing that he might be the only team in the conference outside of South Alabama that knew who their starting quarterback was going to be. He has Grayson McCall, so that was an easy call. But, 
Kelly, to your point, a lot of new faces at quarterback this year and uh, a lot of teams and a couple of teams that, you know, are still waiting to officially finalize who their quarterback will be this fall. Before we mention specific names with specific schools, one can't help but wonder with the onset of the transfer portal that if this isn't going to be a regular occurrence now, teams waiting until the last minute to find out who their starting quarterback shakes out to be. Yeah, there's certainly, you know, an opportunity of, of that being the case. Um, you know, a lot of teams last year, you have guys like Kyle Van Treese at, at Georgia Southern. You have a guy like Todd Santeo up at uh, James Madison that, you know, came in through the transfer portal. They were always going to be one-year guys in exit. So I do think at this level there is a chance that you see, uh, you know, new quarterbacks fairly often. Uh, when a guy performs at this group of five level, whether he's uh, on the coaching staff, whether he is a player, uh, he's going to get offers uh, to go to higher levels. I mean, I think Grayson McCall is a perfect example of that. He ends up sticking around. But, um, you know, I think year in and year out, you're going to see roster turnover as this new age in college football kind of evolves. All right, so let's talk about some of these names. You mentioned JMU. Much is expected of the Dukes this year. But as we speak, Noah Freire, the Dukes have yet to name a starting quarterback. What do you make of it? Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. They did something similar last year, and they waited all the way until an hour before kickoff to announce that Todd Santeo was going to get the first start of the season last year against MTSU, uh, expecting something similar. Although I will say I'm hearing from people around the program that uh, Alonzo Barnett's probably going to be the guy who takes the first snap against Bucknell on Saturday. He's been kind of in a three-way quarterback battle with Brett Griffiths, who was the Wake Forest transfer, or Jordan McLeod, who transferred in um, from Arizona. A lot of people around the program like what they've seen from Alonzo Barnett. He had a great spring. Uh, reports of, out of Harrisonburg have been that he's had a great fall as well. So the only thing with Barnett is he comes in with light experience. He played in two games last year, ended up redshirting to preserve eligibility, so not a lot of track record there, but they love his dual threat ability in Harrisonburg, and this coaching staff certainly has a track record of turning out good quarterbacks, so you don't want to bet against them. But it is a bit of a question mark going into the season for James Madison, one that hopefully uh, they can solidify uh, early on in the season against Bucknell. And Luke, Luke Johnson, if it is Barnett, that would surprise you, uh, along with some other people. Yeah, I mean, you, you get these transfers in, particularly with a, with a Pac-12 guy. But, I mean, Noah, you told us uh, before we went on, uh, he may not even – McLeod may not even be uh, the, the backup. So just when you have these battles, it, it's it's not hype or uh, what you've done before. It's what you're doing. And I think it's important for people to understand different system, different terminology, different players, and, and that, that picks up when guys are at new schools. Yeah, no, you're 100% spot on right there. You, you know, I think fans fall in love with the college that these kids are transferring from, the big names. But uh, it comes down to when rubber meets the road, can they perform? I've personally heard that Jordan McLeod hasn't uh, in camp. So it will certainly be interesting. Could he see snaps this year? Quite possibly. Uh, but right now, just from what I'm hearing in and around the program and up in Harrisonburg, it sounds like Alonzo Barnett's going to be their guy uh, here at the early part of the season. Couple questions. Just looking at the conference overall, is it Grayson McCall and everybody else? Is it Grayson McCall, Carter Bradley, and everybody else? Where would you kind of draw the line, or who would you include in kind of the top tier? You know, three or four quarterbacks in the league, or just cut, cut divided after those two? 
Yeah, I think you mentioned, you know, McCall and Carter Bradley. I do think that they, you know, stand above the rest in this conference. You could make the argument that outside of guys like Austin Reed at Western Kentucky and, and Pratt down at Tulane, that uh, those are two of the top five quarterbacks in the group of five this year. I think when you start moving down the list, uh, I really like Darren Granger at, at Georgia State. He, he's that true dual threat guy who's responsible for over 3,000 yards. I think the thing that holds back Granger right now is his team just hasn't won a lot of football games in the last two years. If they could turn that around and somehow win more games this year, I think you will be hearing legitimate hype around Darren Granger, the Georgia State quarterback. I personally really like Cam Fancher up at Marshall. I think that uh, he's due for a really big year. Came in midway through the year last year at quarterback and, and really performed. I think he went five and or he went five and one as the starting quarterback, six and one in games he played. Um, he hasn't been officially announced as the starting quarterback at all. You know, odds point towards him being the guy week one for Marshall. And then, you know, Gunnar Watson at Troy. I've heard a lot of good things about his offseason. The last time, you know, we saw him, he had a big game against UTSA. He played extremely well in that Sunbelt championship. So to me, that's kind of the top tier of Sunbelt quarterbacks. But um, there are obviously some guys that will, you know, be knocking at the door trying to make their way into that top five as the season progresses. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you didn't mention Gunnar Watson. Very rarely will you mention, you know, or not mention a quarterback off a 12 win team, but you mentioned that. All right, so where does Billy Wiles fit in? It's hard to peg him somewhere simply because he, he hadn't played. I mean, I get that. He hadn't played in this offense, but kind of what do you, where do you see his, his ceiling to be? And I know that's a tough question because we really hadn't seen what Will Hall truly wants to do with an offense, you know, because he hadn't had a quarterback. Where, where does Wiles fit in this conference? Yeah, you know, it's fascinating. Me and uh, my co-host, Caden Smith, took some time this offseason to kind of rank our top ten quarterbacks. And we had this, you know, really grouping of Southern Miss quarterbacks at number ten. You look at, you know, guys like Holman, you know, Edwards, and now Billy Wiles, who's been confirmed as the starter. I think that in the offseason, that was the fair place to put him simply because of, you know, lack of experience. You know, I've heard really good things about how he has looked in camp. Obviously, Will Hall has, has been very pleased and named him the starting quarterback. But Kelly, you're 100% right. This is a, this is a quarterback that I think we have to be careful of what our expectations are this season simply because he does not have a ton of Division I college experience. Yes, he played at Clemson. Yes, he, you know, was on scholarship there. But really the reason he was added to scholarship was because of one opportunity that he got towards the end of his career. So in terms of playing in college football games, Billy Wiles is light on experience, but he has the tools. I mean, we all know about the arm. And the one thing that I will say is when you look at this Southern Miss football team, they have a lot of weapons around him. You have Frank Gore. Everybody knows about him in the backfield. You have the weapons out wide and, you know, Caston and Mims. You also have a guy like Chandler Pittman. So there's plenty of weapons. And I think given those weapons, given the defense that we're expecting for Southern Miss, I think that Billy Wiles can be maybe a top six or seven quarterback in this conference if things come together and he proves that uh, he can man that quarterback position in Hattiesburg. All right, Noah, hang loose. We're going to continue our discussion with Noah Frary of the Frary and Smith Sunbelt Podcast. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about Arkansas State. Could they be a sleeper this year? That's next as the Eagle Hour continues. Southern Miss to the top. 
This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Campus Bookmart in the bright gold building across from the main campus on Hardy Street. They've got all your Southern Miss apparel just in time for the opener against Alcorn this coming Saturday night at 6 o'clock. Whether it's white, gray, black, gold, whatever, you know, polo shirts, T-shirts, men, women, whatever, and even things for us triple Fs. I know what you're asking. That's us full-figured fans that require two or three or maybe four X. How long have you been waiting to use that one? (laughs) It's been a while. So we can scratch that one off the list. Continuing our discussion now with Noah Frary of the Frary and Smith podcast. By the way, I highly recommend from those of us on the Eagle Hour, uh, you got to download and listen to this uh, podcast every every chance you get, uh, keeping up to date on things from the Sunbelt Conference. Noah, we teased it going in. One of my sleeper picks this year, again based on quarterback play, was Arkansas State. I think that uh, they've had a couple of good recruiting classes. How good can they be, the Wolves be, this year, and where do they fit into the grand scheme of things? Yeah, Kelly, I think when it comes to Arkansas State, uh, it's all about managing expectations. We actually had a chance uh, on the Prairie and Smith podcast. We, we recorded the interview yesterday. It dropped this morning. We had a chance to catch up with Butch Jones this week to just talk about this team. He was coming from that press conference where he named J.T. Shrout his starting quarterback. And I think Shrout is a big piece of this. He's you know coming from Colorado, didn't have huge success there playing for the Buffs, but certainly uh, has an ability to potentially be similar in nature in terms of statistics to maybe, say, a James Blackman from a season ago. Um, This is an Arkansas State team. You mentioned it. Back-to-back top recruiting classes in the Sunbelt Conference, and they are a team that are trending in the right direction. You bring back five starters on offense, six on defense. For me, I think I want to see improvement from this team this year. I'm not 100% willing to say that this is a team that's going to make a bowl game, but I do think they have a chance to get to five wins this year. There are some winnable games here early on in the schedule, teams like Stony Brook, teams like uh, UMass, and then you get teams like Texas State, ULM later in the year. I think the margin for error is slim for this Arkansas State team, but there's a path for them to improve this year. And if you talk to Butch Jones, that's what he needs to see this team continue to do. Um, this was always going to be a lengthy rebuilding process. The cupboard was bare when he got the job, but it, it's trending in the right direction at Arkansas State. All right, you and Luke are going to break down the Southern Miss schedule in a quick second here, but my last question, ODU just named a starting quarterback you know, last week. So everybody now except JMU has quarterbacks, even though they named them late, a lot of these schools? Yeah, most of them. Uh, Grant Wells, or uh, I'm sorry, Grant Wilson uh, will be the starting quarterback at Old Dominion. He's the Fordham transfer, followed his offensive coordinator to uh, Norfolk. So, yes, there. Ryan Berger was just named the starter at App State. I think he's going to be a really interesting piece and could be a guy that we're looking at from the end of the year that's a top five or six quarterback in this league uh, if things come together. I think the last one that people, there's some intrigue around right now, is Texas State still is not officially named a starting quarterback. I'm hearing that T.J. Finley, the Auburn transfer, has a good chance at starting uh, to begin this week against Baylor. Uh, but uh, Malik Hornsby certainly in that conversation. Those guys might even split time in that game. So there's still some intrigue over in San Marcos, but for the most part, uh, most of these teams uh, have named a starting quarterback heading into the fall. Luke, with Noah Frary of the Frary and Smith podcast, let's look at this Southern Miss schedule. Absolutely. So, you know, we're we're – professed homers we, we love southern miss and so good outside perspective having you on today and your knowledge of the semi conference which is far greater um, than ours because you've been covering it far longer so 
the the way that you divide the schedule is the the first half is there is definitely not only a possibility to uh, have a winning record, but to get four, maybe even five wins. The second half is night and day. It is it is brutal. It's tough. Four out of six on the road games. So let's just run through it. We'll we'll say this weekend. You and I will agree. Let's just go the first two games. Uh, Southern Miss beats Alcorn State. They lose to Florida State. What? What? Let me ask you this first. What? What do the Eagles need to do in Tallahassee? Yeah, I think they just need to prove that they can play consistent, you know, football. I think from uh, this Southern Miss team, it, it, it all hinges on this quarterback position uh, and how Billy Wiles plays uh, when they head to Tallahassee. I think the other thing that I'm looking out for early on in this year is this is a Southern Miss defense that lost some big names from a season ago. There is a, you know, there was a lot of depth in this unit, and I, I think they're still going to be similar in terms of statistics. They might look slightly different, but I want to see how the defense plays against Florida State. Uh, that's a Florida State team that could very easily be in a college football playoff, and so I think it's a huge test for Will Hall in this team early in the year. I've got two big swing games in the record in the in the schedule. One in the first half, one in the uh, second half. Game three to me is a swing game. Uh, you beat Tulane last year. They're top 25 this year. They come to Hattiesburg this time. Your, your thoughts, Tulane? Yeah, it'll be a, uh, a fun game, I think. I mean, obviously, Southern Miss beats them uh, a season ago. It was largely a special teams battle that Southern Miss ended up coming out on top. That was something that they were very good at last year in terms of special teams uh, when you're speaking of Southern Miss. That two-lane team, you know, you lose a guy like Michael Pratt, or I'm sorry, Michael Pratt is still there. Ty J. Spears, the talented running back, um, is gone. They've lost some pieces at wide receiver. So I don't know if this is the same two-lane team from a, a season ago. I think we will get a great look at them this weekend when South Alabama takes them on in prime time on Saturday. Um, certainly could be in the conversation to win that game. I still think Tulane probably will come in as the favorite, but um, that's a game that, you know, really, you're right, is a swing game. And if Southern Miss can win that, I think that they can really get on a roll leading into that South Alabama game in the middle of October. Yeah, because the next three, you, you go to Arkansas State, then you host Texas State and Old Dominion. All three of those very winnable for the Golden Eagles. Yeah, I think it goes beyond very winnable. I think those are must wins for this Southern Miss team and games that they should be favored in. Um, so I think that gives you the ability to potentially go maybe four and two, five and one if you can somehow beat Tulane uh, in week three. Uh, and I think that would be best-case scenario for this team heading into the bye on October 14th. And, and that Texas State game, we'll see if Finley starts. You know, how does he, how does uh, Kenny bring that offense over? All right, a lot of time, the rest of our time spent on the back half. You get 10 days to prep for South Alabama, but you play them on a Tuesday. And you start the back half at South Alabama and at Boone. Uh, that game's already sold out. That That's just a brutal back-to-back road stretch. Yeah, I, I could not agree with you more. It's so interesting when I talk with my co-host, Caden Smith, on the Prairie Smith podcast about schedules. It all comes down to layouts. And, you know, Southern Miss's schedule is not laid out particularly well, uh, particularly in that back stretch. I mean, you mentioned you go to South Alabama. That game's going to be a night game on national television. They are probably the favorite in that Sunbelt West right now, in my opinion. And then App State, I think a team that has a chance to really rebound from a disappointing year last year. I think that that could be an 8-9 win football team. So neither of those two games are guarantee games uh, for Southern Miss. Now, if you're able to win one of those games, suddenly things get really interesting in Hattiesburg, and maybe this is a Southern Miss team that starts to sneak their way 
into title contention in that Sunbelt West. Which one's more winnable to you? Uh, I'm going App State on that one. I think that one's a little bit more winnable, but I don't think um, you know Southern Miss matches up particularly well against those. But, hey, who knows? If Billy Wiles comes out, lights the world on fire in the, in the first six weeks, the Southern Miss fans can clip that last clip and, and send it back to me because if he's playing good football with this offense around him and the defense, uh, I expect this Southern Miss team to have a chance in, in both of those games. Luke and Noah, would you consider the Louisiana games and Troy games as swing games? Luke, how do you see those? I, I mean, I think ULM's a win, and I, I think Louisiana, I, I, I tilt it in the win category. Troy's a toss-up depending on what happens because it's the last game of the year. What do you think, Noah? Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. I think ULM's a, a, a win right now. I think Louisiana could be a bit of a swing game right there. The one thing that, in my opinion, makes that more of a swing game is the fact that you're playing ULM, and then five days later on a Thursday night, you have to play Louisiana on the road. So I think that that becomes a little bit more challenging, but I do think that that is a game that this Southern Miss team can win. Obviously, they beat them last year at home, so... Um, that's a winnable game for Southern Miss, I think, on this back end of the stretch, heading into those final two weeks of the year. So, if my numbers correct, I've got I've I've said Southern Miss this year seven and five. App State's a swing game. Tulane's a swing game. That that could make the Eagles either seven and five, five and seven, or if they sneak off one, maybe get to eight. I'm I'm going seven and five with a bowl. You could have them anywhere from five to seven to eight and four. Where, where's kind of your final landing spot? Yeah, I expect this team to make a bowl game. I think 6-6 six and six in the regular season is very realistic just given the schedule. I think if this team had a few more easy wins on this schedule, I'd be much higher on them. But when you have teams like Mississippi State, Florida State, and Tulane all in the schedule, there just aren't many winnable non-conference games or games rather that I would say that you would be favored in the non-conference. So for me, this is a 6-6 six and six football team. I think that you know, they have a chance to get to a bowl game, maybe be seven and six. I think best case scenario is eight and four. But if you had to pin me down, I think that this is, you know, a six and six to seven and five football team in the regular season. All right, Noah, before we let you go in our closing moments with Noah Freire of the Freire and Smith podcast, give us your prediction for biggest surprise, biggest disappointment coming into the Sun Belt now season. How do you think those will shake out? Yeah, I think uh, biggest surprise, if I'm if I'm thinking about a team, I think Georgia Southern in the Sunbelt East has a real big chance to, to make some noise. Uh, I think biggest disappointment uh, could be Troy. I'm, I, I like Troy. They're coming in as the preseason favorite, but um, there are certainly some chinks in the armor there, particularly on defense. I think they're still going to be a good football team, but I'm not sure that they are going to play to the same level that they played last year. Your educated insight is always valued on this program, Noah. Thank you so much. Hey, guys, always appreciate it. Look forward to uh, watching Southern Miss play some football this weekend. Noah Frary of the Frary and Smith Sunbelt Podcast. We give it a two thumbs up to download it. We'll talk New Orleans Saints football with Patrick McGee as this Eagle Hour continues in a moment. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street. Located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg. Home of the 995 lunch. Bob Getty Catfish Friday. Double thumbs up for that. Appreciate Slade White and uh, his not only support of Southern Miss, but of the Eagle Hour. 4th Street in Hattiesburg. Luke, 
Kelly and Michael Mergens. He's pushing all the right buttons today. Kelly and I are just bloviating like normal from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Yes, Kelly? They've got trivia tonight at 4th Street Bar and Grill. It's Aloha Trivia. And then tomorrow is Pork Chop Thursday. Because everybody on the street, they'll say, well, we know it's Catfish Friday. But what is it, what is it other days? Pork Chop Thursday. Yeah, tomorrow's Hey, pork we'll chop. go down to the land of the Shrimp Po' Boys. We'll go down to New Orleans to speak to Patrick McGee of NOLA.com. Patrick, um, Saints make the uh, final rosters uh, decisions yesterday. But kicker drama. And as a former kicker, we try to play low-key, but there was some drama, and it involved Sean Payton, and you guys called it uh, long before it happened. Yeah, I, I think there was some, when you, when you look at what the way Blake Gropey uh, kicked the ball uh, through preseason, and Will Lutz last year just wasn't as good as he needed to be. You know, um, he, he's still a talented guy, but it's just that consistency that everybody saw him just wasn't there. And I think Groupie was probably the most consistent guy through the preseason. I think Lutz also had a pretty good preseason. But whenever you got a younger, cheaper version to go with and yeah. uh, maybe build over the next two or three years, I, I think that's what it came down to. Is it just made sense financially. And he's looked good throughout the preseason. I guess the only kick he missed was a 60-yarder. He made a 50-yarder uh, in the last preseason. And then, you know, heck, I, I was kind of surprised, but I guess it's not that big of a deal. But the Saints moved on from Blake Gillikin and kept Lou Headley, who's going to be, I think, a 29-year-old rookie from Australia at punter. Yeah, it's really interesting, but, I mean, Peyton still obviously believes in Lutz. Uh, and yeah. Let's, I mean, you're you're at altitude or you're indoors for eight, for eight games of the year, so it's going to work out you know, well for for, uh, for Will Lutz. Any other surprises yeah. yesterday? I know we're talking about, you know, practice uh, right. squad guys, and but, I mean, anybody that uh, maybe raised your eyebrows a little bit or, or just maybe somebody on the 53-man that nobody's talking about right now that, you know, three or four weeks will say, ah, should have been talking about him. Well, I think the one one thing everybody was surprised was that Jalen Smith got uh, released. Uh, the the former Cowboys linebacker joined the team, but here just recently, I guess, for the last few moments, the Saints have added him to the practice squad. Uh, so that's that's a pretty that's a pretty good linebacker to have on your practice squad. That kind of experience uh, you're at linebacker right now, you're looking at Demario Davis, Pete Werner, Zach Bond, Demarco Jackson, Nephew Sewell. Those are going to be your guys. Uh, who are on the 53-man roster. So I, I, I think, as a whole, there wasn't much in the way of surprises. You know, they moved on from Throckmorton. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the offensive line, that's, that's a guy that's been around. Uh, and they had, a, you know, a bunch of guys kind of flash at, at tight end and some other spots. But overall, you can't really argue with how things kind of shook out. I think everybody was kind of surprised to see Smith go, but they were able to add him pretty quickly, and he had had a good preseason. So, uh, you know, linebacker with a, a bit of a depth concern, but, you know, all things considered, when you have a guy like that on the practice squad, you have to feel okay with it. Kelly? So what do we know now about Alvin Kamara? What is for certain, Patrick? Well, I mean, just what's for certain is he's going to be out the first three games Okay. Uh, uh, with the with the suspension. And, and you're looking at, you know, at, at running back, uh, you're going to have Jamal Williams, Kendra Miller, and they kept Kurt Merritt. Uh, who's also seen a lot of time at receiver. He's a guy that can kind of go back and forth between running back and receiver. Fullback's going to be Adam Prentice. Uh, but really, it's it's going to be, you know, they, they brought in Darrell Williams, uh, the former Chiefs running back uh, at one point in the preseason, but he was let go yesterday. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be a practice squad guy or not. I haven't checked here in the last few minutes. But 
it's pretty clear that Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller are going to be relied upon to, to carry the load there for the the first three games of the season. And a lot of casual Saints fans will go, what What? What happened to our guy Taysom? All of a sudden, you know, Taysom was going to be the next, the second coming, and now you don't, you don't hear anything about him hardly. No, I mean, he's, I mean, nobody's talking about him in the preseason because he's not in a quarterback battle. I think that's why there isn't just much discussion. Uh, Taysom Hill's still going to be Taysom Hill this year. Uh, I, I think they would like to not have to rely on him so much. They had to last year. Uh, just because of uh, injuries at quarterback, and you know Andy Dalton was not mobile at all, uh, so he just added a different aspect to the offense, something that he's brought for a long time. So Taysom Hill's still going to have a, a lot to say. Uh, I think he'll probably be more involved in the passing game this season, uh, but we'll see direct snaps to Taysom Hill, and, and there'll be a game or two where he'll make a difference. And, and you know, Dennis Allen is not a guy that smiles a lot, has been my experiences over the years, and, and could be that he hasn't had a lot to smile about, but is it me, Patrick, or does there... Does he genuinely seem to be uh, you know, a lot more laid back, relaxed, maybe thinking that, that he's got himself a pretty good club here heading into the season? Yeah, I think that's the impression a lot of people have, that he looks, you know, but I think anybody's more comfortable kind of the second year in a, in a head coaching role. That first year is kind of full of stress and just a little bit of uncertainty, even though he was already on staff previously. Uh, I think he feels like he's got a, a playoff team, you know, at the very least. If they come short of the playoffs, Dennis Allen isn't going to be the head coach next year, but... I think what, what the way Derek Carr's looked and the way he's fit in very well just across the board in the community and everything else, uh, there's just a lot of reasons for optimism because you look at the team, there's not really one glaring area where you, area where you think, well, this guy's got to do this and that guy's got to do that. I think they're going to need some depth to really kind of step up at defensive end, uh, whether it's Peyton Turner or, or, or is Foskey going to contribute at all this year. He really had a rough preseason. Uh, but you've got Cameron Jordan and Carl Granderson, uh, who are you know old reliables. You know what you're going to get out of those guys at the end. Uh, if one of those guys goes down, that's maybe an area of concern. But overall, uh, there just isn't one spot where you're thinking the Saints are in, in rough shape. I mean, they're they're really depth wise, they're in, in really good position. And Luke, when you look at the division that they're in in the NFC, most of most onlookers don't think that that NFC South is is going to be a lot to write the captain about. No, I mean, and the Saints are in the best spot, you know, defensively and and especially at the quarterback position. Just wondering if Bryce Young can grow three inches, you know, before uh, before week one. It's going it's going to be tough, you know. They, about which, twenty pounds in the process. Yeah, I mean. Doesn't, I mean, he, he looks like uh, a junior high player with high school player. I'm not talking about his skill set. I'm just talking about his stature. Right. Um, yeah. Let me ask you about Saints quarterback. How much, I mean, how much pressure is on Carr or is he feeling? Because um, you feel like, you know, there is some of this, not to be Drew Brees, but, you know, to take the city on his shoulders in somewhat because New Orleans is, a, is that type of place. It's, do you think he feels any of that or is he just – What's kind of been his, you know, demeanor? Well, it, I, you, you wouldn't tell it. I mean, I think the thing is, he's thirty-two years old. Uh, he's felt pressure every year that he stepped on the field. You know, everybody has always thought he was so close to being, you know, one of the maybe top five quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's looked like that at times. You know, uh, so I, I, I think pressure has kind of followed him throughout his career, and he's been put in a lot of bad positions and not really put in a position to succeed. And I think here he feels like he's got the players around him, Pro Bowl caliber players, you know, at running back, receiver. Juwan Johnson, you know, looks more and more like a potential Pro Bowl tight end. Jimmy, Jimmy Graham gave us glimpses of, of Pro Bowl talent in the last preseason game. So uh, I guess the one thing is that that offensive line as a whole, uh, you know, is there enough depth there? Is there enough 
talent there to kind of keep protect him at all times. Uh, yeah. He's going to face pressure, but no, I, I think he feels like he's in a in a good spot. I think he's in a in a good mindset. It, you know, he's really kind of given off a great image of confidence, and I think everybody else has that confidence in him at, at this point. So, and the first game, uh, all signs look good now. Yeah, and the first game of the season to me is going to be intriguing because they they play the Titans, and the Titans, are, most people would agree, are kind of in a rebuild mode. But you wouldn't put them at the top of the AFC heap, but you wouldn't put the Titans at the bottom of the heap either. So you got a team there that's kind of in the middle of the AFC. So I think it's going to mm-hmm. be a, a good litmus test for the Saints to maybe see what they've got, even though they're going to be playing the Titans in New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cliche to say we're going to, you know, find out pretty early on what the Saints are made of. But I think those those early games are, are not – there's nothing daunting about those early games on the schedule. And if the Saints kind of step up and, and play well and just kind of, you know, meet baseline expectations, uh, they're going to be above 500 coming out of the first four yeah. or five games of the season. And if they kind of go beyond that, you're thinking, well, maybe we have something special, you know. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Titans game is really going to be interesting to watch and see how they play against a team that they're perfectly capable uh, of beating. Um, about a minute left. Uh, thoughts on Southern Miss and Patrick mm-hmm. McGee's crystal ball win total at the end of the year. Bowl, yes or no? Yeah, yeah. I, I think eight wins is perfectly reasonable uh, for this team. Uh, you know, I haven't seen a lot of Billy Wiles and – I mean, it is, it is wild, and that's how you pronounce his last name. I'm not right. Hasberg. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, you know, it all comes back to the quarterback. You know, they've got the players really around all over the field at running back and experienced offensive line and some dudes back on in the front seven uh, talent there in the in the secondary. So, yeah, I'm I'm a believer. I think they can be good, but you know, it all comes down to quarterback play. It's pretty it's pretty obvious what. What's got to happen for this team to win a bunch of games? If they can get really good play out of the quarterback, uh, this team's going to contend in the Sun Belt. Well, Luke, with the Saints' new kicker, it's going to be easy to know who his fans are. They'll be groupies, groupies, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, I just sure, want to sure, grow sure. a mustache this year. Let's <laughs> yeah. see if that can happen. Patrick, thanks for your time, man. Have a great weekend. All right, y'all too. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com. Hey, some more Eagles made 53-man rosters. We'll tell you about it. Eagle Hour continues on a Wednesday. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Final segment on this Wednesday brought to you by D1 Training and DBAT in Hattiesburg. DBATHattiesburg.com on Hardy Street, the big building near Best Buy. DBAT on the left, D1 Training on the right. Great pro shop facilities. It's all there at DBAT and D1 Training in Hattiesburg. Michael Morgans, Luke Johnson, and Kelly Sanner, live from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. 
Eagle Hour podcast, always available for you on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Audible. You can also ask Alexa to play you the Super Talk Eagle Hour or find uh, on-demand episodes on supertalk.fm. All right, we told you Jason Brownlee yesterday made the New York Jets 53-man roster. Other Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Cornell Armstrong has an injured hamstring. Um, he's basically was was waived, but he's he's listed as injured, so probably has an opportunity to come back to uh, the practice squad. Cameron Tom uh, was released by the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Tavarius Moore, who leaves San Francisco, goes to Green Bay. He's also injured, so he was put on the IR. Uh, some practice squad guys, Tykeem Doss. Offensive lineman makes the practice squad for the Baltimore Ravens. Natron Brooks, guy we were talking about, Kelly, was released yesterday but has re-signed with the Falcons um, practice squad. He's the only Falcon. If Cornell makes the roster, I will be. The only two Falcons that I will ever cheer for. And then how about these 53 men? Brownlee, of course. Tim Jones makes the 53 for Jacksonville. Of course, Quez Watkins. Uh, starting receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, Nunez Rochez with uh, the New York Giants, and Eric Scott makes the Dallas Cowboys. Man, America's team. Now, well, as Michael Mergens rolls his eyes. <laughs> hey, Michael, you'll get a kick out of this. Some guy, you know, fantasy drafts are happening this week, Labor Day next week, opening game on the seventh. And, and, Luke, you'll get a kick out of this, too. Some of these guys that play fantasy football have no business playing fantasy football. The number one pick in this guy's league yesterday was Justin Fields. <laughs> and I'm, he's going to have a good year, fantasy but he's, football. He's not, he's not first. We had somebody take Mahomes late in the first round the other night. I was like, you don't take a quarterback in round one. No, just, and I just said, you know. And, and speaking of quarterbacks, I forgot to mention, of course, Nick Mullins, backup quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, he's on the Vikings roster. Yeah, but Fields, I mean, come on, Michael. We love the Bears, but Fields, number one pick? I don't think so. Are you a Fields believer, by the way, Mergens? When they have that Super Bowl win, I'll, I'll talk to you. Yeah. He's a believer in everybody once they win. Once they win, yeah. <laughs> he's a believer in Mike Dicko, Walter Payton. Yeah, he, he's, not even, he's not even from Missouri, but he says, show me, right? Can you still do the Super Bowl shuffle, by the way? I'm sure I probably could. Going back it's to nineteen with the sunglasses, 85. with the McMahon sunglasses. I had the forty-five. I wish I still had it. it disappeared at some point by the wow. refrigerettes, wasn't it? The refrigerettes, yeah. the cheerleaders are the ones that. Anyway, uh, tomorrow on the program, Kelnack the Magnificent has cleared customs and is on his way to the studio as we speak. He'll be parking Hump over there at the uh, by the corner market uh, no, vending they, machines. We've got to move them down. They they. It's a, Complained already? Yeah, health hazard. <laughs> well, we'll find a place for a hump. And Kelnack the Magnificent will be here tomorrow, along with the long-lost brother of Coach Will Hall. Phil Hall will be here. He'll emerge from his basement where he's watched 3,000 hours of film on Alcorn, ready to, <laughs> ready to break down the game uh, for us tomorrow. Then we will be live at Fuzzy's Tacos on Friday for a special two-hour edition of the Eagle Hour, getting you set up with everything you need to know for kickoff prior to Saturday night's 6 o'clock game with the Alcorn Braves as football season officially for 2023 gets underway. And the athletic department doing things in grand style. Chapel Heart, the music group from Pearl River County that uh, made national headlines when they were on some of the talent shows. You know, America's Got Talent. 
uh, w- that was the one they were on. And they'll be they'll be performing in Spirit Park prior to the game. The Pride of Mississippi, which did their show last Friday, that they unveiled it to the general public. Uh, they'll be performing as well at halftime. So everything falling into place for what's bound to be a, a great season. And regardless of the wins and losses, Luke, I think everybody will agree that, uh, and again, lots of times we put too much emphasis on wins and losses because there are a lot of intangibles like scheduling, for one thing, that, that make a big difference. But I, can't we all agree that regardless of what happens, wins and loss-wise, this team is better going into the season than it was last year? It's a lot better? Noah, you, I feel like this is a two, maybe three-win team better than last year because of the depth and because of the stability at quarterback. But they may end up with the same or possibly a little under. And they're going to have to be Tulane. I, I think App State's the big swing game. If you can win at App State, you could still drop Troy and South Alabama and still get to seven. But, I mean, if you if you win one, you shouldn't, which I'm not saying Tulane or App State qualify. I'm talking about South Alabama or Troy, and that has me, you know, Louisiana pegged. If you can win one of those, man, you, you get to eight wins, and if you – get in the right bowl game you get to nine wins but i know we're just kind of all uh just hypothesizing right. but, it, but it's gonna be fun i'll tell you what i'm i'm about to go uh to the gym today i'm gonna work hard tomorrow because i think i'm gonna get brisket nachos at fuzzies well, well you're gonna have to work them off for sure Again, tomorrow, the, the visitor from the east, Kelnack the Magnificent, will join us, among other guests, as we head toward kickoff Saturday night at 6 o'clock until tomorrow at 1 o'clock on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to, to the, the top. top. Keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.